you put the right team together and you have the right people in the right seats with the right desires and the right skill sets and the right thought processes, you can accomplish anything. Welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, where we'll share our insights on how to make more money, how to help more people, and how to be a better leader for your business and your community. We've been in this game since 1992, and we'll share our successes and failures along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. She's back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. <laughs> hey. Third time. I know. I know. We'll get to get you I've on. been doing some on the side, too. Oh, oh really? Mm-hmm. You've been cheating? I have. Yeah. Just I do that to Matt. Too. Other people's podcasts. God. Yeah. That's okay. We have a polyamorous, is that what it is? Polyamorous podcast relationship? Yes. Uh, an open relationship? Yes. We have an open yeah. podcast relationship. Kind of like our neighborhood. <laughs> for those, for yeah, <laughs> exactly. For those of you guys listening, Susanna and I live in the same neighborhood. It's a very ancestral business. Like, like we have family members work here and all that, but we we keep it together. We keep it professional. But yeah, we live in this uh, sort of empty nester neighborhood. So yeah, rumors out. Uh, put it this way: don't put any pineapples on your porch. You never know what could come out of that. Yeah, there was rumors when you guys first moved in, and you would come over, and we'd have a meeting, and yeah, and then you'd leave, and everybody's like. Oh, that's true. Like stopping by the house and I would bring a couple of beers to Suzanne's just for a meeting and then I would leave an hour later. What's going on with that that guy? guy? Who's that guy? Everybody's open. You had the little blinds open, you know, in their windows. (laughs) Gladys Kravitz next door is like, okay, that new neighbor came over to your house again. What is he doing there? (laughs) That's awesome. Well, listen, uh, congratulations to you and to us because we just uh, sold 100 locations. I know. This will probably be out in like two or three weeks, so we'll be a little late. I think we got more to close this week, but that's a pretty big benchmark. What do you think? I think it's amazing. And I mean, I intrinsically knew that we would get here, but I'm really proud of us. Yeah, me too. It's no, it's no easy feat. Now, I think the harder work is ahead of us. Sure. We've got uh, only 13 open at this point. So we've got to open. We've got like 30 in construction. We're projecting close to 50 open by, by this year. year. So in the next nine months, we have a lot of work to do. So yep. a lot of things in place, but uh, yeah, a lot of work to do. But shoot, man, 100. That's a lot. Yeah. We are we have a grand opening this week or next week, and then we've got six or seven in April, and they kind of just stack up for the rest of the year. Yeah. So we will be for the be rest of our lives if you think about it. I know. It's not going to slow down. No, I know. Well, I'm very well, proud of you. You've done a great job. Well, thank you. And I'm proud COO, of you as well. Because we have been through a client trainer relationship. We've yep. been through help me out a little bit in your second phase of life to like, hey, you're really good at that. Can you do more? And I think normally in those situations, it doesn't work out. You just keep promoting someone until their level of incompetency, if you will, the Peter principle. And we haven't run into that yet with you. So props to you. Thanks. You're welcome. I was born to do this. I know. You really were. I know. I know. Suzanne's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, my God. Like, you're awesome. Keep going. But in the spirit of 100, um, I had mentioned Suzanne. I'm like, hey, you want to jump on the podcast and do um, just a kind of a recap of what we've learned by selling our first 100 locations. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That sounds great. Say? Yeah. Cool. I th- I think well, I've got, I've got five. Did you line up the same five that I have? I with mean, the extra ideas. I definitely can piggyback on some of those because okay. there were a couple of things that I felt like maybe not um, were not included in your list, but that I think are very important that lessons that I've learned for sure. Awesome. All right. So here we go. Five things we've learned from selling our first 100 franchise licenses. Number one for me was purpose is really important. And I know that sounds like something I should have known already, but I think when we, you know, we've, we've done this for 31 years. So I will say that at times 
um, it's, it's sometimes lost on me because I'm so used to what we do that I forget how cool it is to do what we do, right? right. To be in the fitness space yeah. and to help people. And it's such an easy business to connect the purpose of what we do um, to the business, right? And so as we've been selling a lot of franchises, when we come in and we always ask the questions, I ask them on the CEO call, we ask them around the room mm-hmm. at Discovery Day, like, why Alloy? Right. And I love to hear back from from folks, like maybe some of the things that we work hard to do, like it's a simple model, I understand it. If it was in my market, I would buy it, I would join it. Yep. So that's really great. But then to a person, everyone says, you know, a lot of these folks are maybe going into their second phase, right? Or they're, it's another investment strategy. And they're like, the other things I do are, are great and I make good money, but I really want to do something with purpose. Right. And I, I think I'm, I'm maybe surprised that it even surprises me, if that makes sense. Because yeah. it's like, well, yeah, duh. But it's really important. And I think when, when we, the more we hear that, then the more we can lean into that as a message. Because it's really important to people to do something that makes a difference in the world. Right. And not just for their end user, their client, who maybe they're going to lose 25 pounds and move better and regain control of their health and their life and their blood pressure and everything else, but how it affects the community too. And I think a lot of our uh, franchisees have spoke to that. Like they really love being in the community and um, promoting the benefits of exercise and, and good health and fitness and it's it's really cool to see. Yeah, it, it's sort of like, and I'm sure a lot of you guys listening, and, I, and I've experienced this, and you have as well. You bring in someone new, either at, to your team or like, say when we own just the gyms, and we would bring in an intern, and they'd be so excited yep. about the thing, and it would sort of rekindle my excitement sure. and remind me, like, what we do is so cool. Yeah. Right? And so it, I selfishly love when franchisees like speak back to us what they see are the things the special purpose in what we do. And it reminds me of how it is a great business to be in. And it does have a lot of purpose. And I'm like, you know what? I mean, I get as much from hearing them describe it as probably they do from thinking about getting into it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It's a cool purpose is a bigger deal than I thought it would be when I, when I look, I think you don't go to franchising unless you can provide a business model that gives somebody return on investment, Mm -hmm. right? Or the opportunity for franchising. So I have to say opportunity for return on investment, right? So if we can do that, check, now we go to franchising, then purpose becomes a really big deal. And right. so I think for me, I probably looked at it more transactional than I do now after hearing everyone tell us how important purpose is. I think we'll just lean into that even more. And I'm really, and I think purpose doesn't like drive your business. It doesn't, it's not operations. It's not hiring and all that, but some of those things are difficult and they're in some days are not as fun. You know, it's just business at the end mm-hmm. of the day, but it's a hell of a lot easier when your why is really big and compelling. Correct. And this is a business that's easy to understand what your why is. And I will tell everyone that I'm, I'm just as passionate about what we do now, even though it's a different sort of vehicle for what we do than it was when I just owned one gym or a couple of gyms. Um, but I still never wake up and think, ugh, you know, I can't believe I have to do this because the why is so big because yeah. again, it has a purpose behind it. Right. And I think that's the underlying right main driver for right. this whole thing. If we were only producing useless widgets that just put money in our pocket, um, we could, you know, we could be investment bankers. Maybe, I don't know, maybe. Right. And in our case, the purpose, there's many purposes. They're multi-layered. So, you know, you can think of it in terms of, well, we're serving, um, we're, 
we're providing a vehicle for people to get into better shape and to be healthier, uh, to live their lives better. Um, but we're also providing a, a framework of a business, a franchise business, where people that have been working oftentimes in other industries, working for the man, so to speak, or yep. working for big corporate, um, to realize their dream of entrepreneurship, of being in business for themselves, and really producing something that could potentially be a legacy for them, for their family, for their children, for their grandchildren, whatever. So we've got lots of purposes, and I think that even makes it more exciting. Yeah, I agree. And that's a perfect segue into like the second thing that I've noticed, and I'll skip around on these and you might have a different order on your list. But the second one was I really love entrepreneurship, right? Right. And, and, you know, like I've helped teach a class at a local college on entrepreneurship. I'm just as passionate about entrepreneurship as I am about the fitness business. Yes. And so, and that's, I've come to realize that maybe over the last 10 years or the first 20 or so years, it was all about fitness. And, and I love that too. I'm still passionate about fitness. Uh, we practice it, stay as healthy as we can. I mean, look, it, 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 everything in your life is better if you're fit, your brain, your sure. energy, your show up as a better spouse, you know, business owner, mom, sure. grandma, whatever the heck you are, right? You're a better version of that if you're fit. But I have just as much passion for entrepreneurship. Um, uh, you you know certainly, and for the listeners, we have I have a good friend that's in the that used to be in the fitness space, and he's very successful. He's got a lot of money, and and he came to me, and and you know, and, and I'm very flattered. He was like, hey, you know, why don't we invest in your business? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to do that, but he's like, I don't understand why you're not doing just corporate stores right. because. The way that our business works, and if you're a potential franchisee, this should be a great story for you. <laughs> the top line revenue, the way franchising works, we get a percentage, a royalty, which is a percentage of top line revenue. Our top line revenues are okay, but our profit margins, and I'm saying this, can be very high. So if you think about that, if I'm getting a percentage of your top line revenue, but the margins on that revenue can be really high, it actually makes a better owner model right. than it and does it, a franchise model, right? Yeah. And I think when I really had to think about it, because it was a very compelling offer, and he had some really good points, and he's a super smart person. And so I had to really think about it. And really what it boiled down to is, like, I think there's no – they're both good paths, but a lot of it was influenced by my passion to help other people, what you mentioned earlier, which mm-hmm. is, like, I have just as much passion – giving someone a vehicle to become an entrepreneur and watching them grow into that role, right? right? As I do getting someone in great shape. It's like two different businesses, but each one's just as compelling. Would you agree? I would agree. And I've never really considered myself an entrepreneur, although maybe as I look back, maybe I kind of was because... Yeah, I, I mean, you, you managed businesses. Yeah, I was about to say, you've <laughs> right. only had your own businesses. I'm but like, but I, I never really thought of myself like that. I've always been like the operations, the one that gets all the stuff done, but not really the idea person or whatever. But I do love that aspect of our business is, you know, providing a vehicle where somebody can not be in business by themselves, but be in business for themselves. Yes. Yep. And, um, and I love that idea because... It's always better to have support, to have a go-to, a mentor. We're the mentor. You know, we're the ones that our franchisees can come to and say, hey, I'm having this issue or that issue, and have you ever seen this before, and can you help me with it? So I love that. Um, But, yeah, it's a really cool thing to be able to um, make dreams come true in some sort of way. It's like like we're Disney or something. (laughs) (laughs) 
Walt Disney. I want to, <laughs> by the way, I want to be cryogenically frozen if I die so I can come back in the future and see what's going on. Right. But yeah, um, so so that was number two, I think, is that it's it's been it's been uh, even more evident, I think, that I really love you entrepreneurship. Do. And I well, really you're born love that to way. see people. I mean, yeah, and I think... You, know, you feel like you're sort of like franchising for me is a vehicle to pay it forward. I know it sounds odd because of course it's self-serving. If we build this giant franchise, it certainly has some great enterprise value, sure. but that's just a byproduct of the thing that we do. It's like, that's not the end game necessarily. So it's like the work itself is what's so compelling. Right. And you know, to, to be able to provide this vehicle and, and again, see people realize their entrepreneurial dreams. Yeah. I, I maybe underestimated how important right. that was to me yeah. until now. And that now it's not only is the thing that we're putting into market amazing. So we're like getting these local communities into a better place from self-esteem, mm-hmm. health and fitness, the mm-hmm. whole deal. But we're also now providing this vehicle, right, mm-hmm. for people to be successful. Right. So I love it. And, and I think it's I'm really glad that we stayed with the franchise path for that reason. Mm-hmm. Because if it was only to benefit us and me, um, I don't know if I would have been as excited about it. Well, and that's part of my job. And it's one of the th- reasons that we're such great partners is because because you are just a consummate entrepreneur, you're always kind of thinking like, you know, it's like a golden retriever with a squirrel, you know, it's like, <laughs> no, oh, you, oh. <laughs> but, right. um, but there are times where, you know, you get distracted because you've got all of these ideas and all of them, or some of them at least are very good ideas. But one of my jobs is to say, hang on, hang on, right. let's, let's focus on what we're doing. Let's, let's not um, let go of the vision that was your great vision. Right. Um, so yeah, this is a man who's never worked for anybody else. Yeah. I mean, even I, mean, from the time- un- I would be unemployable at this point. Oh yeah. Like I'm super grouchy if I get put into these like boxes and things, it's like, but I, I think like having a healthy friction, like you're tolerant of my entrepreneur brain and I'm tolerant of your operational brain. And somewhere <laughs> right. in the middle is where things have to be because right. I can't just be all entrepreneurial right. and we can't be all operational either. So no. it's like somewhere in between. And That's if you great. look at like the EOS framework, it's the it's the traditional visionary integrator, rocket fuel, the book, right? You've got the implementer, you've got the person with the ideas. Yeah. It's like you really need that. Um, but all that being said, we both love entrepreneurship. Suzanne doesn't think she's one, but I'll <laughs> say that she is. She knows I'm a crazy one, so I love yes. to see people realize that. Yes. Um, now leads to number three. I'm going a little out of order from what I have written yeah. down, but this is the third thing that I've realized. And this is kind of heartbreaking at times, but not everyone's cut out for entrepreneurship. Not at all. Not at all. You know, it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking. It's like, I, I think if you guys are listening to this and we have a lot of listeners that are just in the fitness industry and you have somebody that comes in and they want to lose weight and they want to do all these things. And this is a very similar kind of uh, I think construct where you give them all the tools and you want it worse than they more than it. they do for themselves. And they just don't do the things that you ask. Right. And it's just like, golly, but then over time you start to realize, well, just, it's just not for everyone. Like some people just aren't ready or what have you. And I will tell you that there, you know, we've learned already in the few that we have open, some people are, are up for the challenge and some folks just aren't cut out for entrepreneurship. Right. And that's okay. I well, mean, that's a, yeah, and th- I'm glad you said yeah. that because that just because I've been one and I think it gets maybe over glorified at times. It's I a mean, cool it's thing. It's not nearly as fun as, as people lead on, right? It but it's a very cool, cool thing. Yeah. You know, like you like want to think I want to be, this, what are you going to do? I'm, well, I'm going to study entrepreneurship. Path. I'm, I'm going to be a wolf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a maverick. I'm going to go out there and do this. Like that comes with its challenges, sleepless nights. 
You have to have a massive like you know, ability. You're, yeah, you have to be super risk tolerant. You have to be able to shoulder a pretty heavy load at times. I've only done it, so I'm used to it. But it's been it's been surprising that people that are very intelligent that have a lot of skills that should cross over to entrepreneurship sometimes don't. We've right? seen that. We have, and it's kind of heartbreaking in a way. But then you find out, just like in the fitness space, you can give everyone the tools, but if they're not going to do it, there's nothing you can do. No. Like, they have to make the decision to do it. And I think part of it, they have to be wired that way, really. I don't, I, I'm not sure, but I think, um, like me, I could have probably worked for somebody else my whole life and done a really fine job. And, or I'm also comfortable in, um, a somewhat comfortable entrepreneurial adventure, right. but maybe not as risk tolerant as you are. Right. So there, there's some gradations, but I think that there are some people who just are not wired to be in business for themselves. It's too much. It's crushing the pressure, the what ifs, the whatever. They just can't deal with it. And so those people should not do that. They should work for somebody. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you've got a, a really big skill set and you're, you know, an attorney or in finance or, right. I mean, there's a doctor or engineer, or, yeah, I mean, you can make a lot of money, yeah. right? You really can. And and there's a way less stress doing it. So I think, it, again, it gets over glorified. And I think some people are like, they want to take their shot at it. Um, it's just not for everyone. I think it's been surprising. And maybe it's a, maybe it's an ego thing where, you know, someone like me who loves entrepreneurship, I think I can teach anybody to be an entrepreneur. It's like, no matter who you are, I can you teach can't you. can teach them the want. Right. Well, that's it. You just hit it. And I think that's what I've learned in this 100 locations sold is that you can't. Like I, like my, like, okay, you know, ego check. You can't teach everyone to be an entrepreneur. No. Right? And, and they might think they want to do it. But I would think the hardest thing, I think, for some people that are in that situation is to admit that, like, they are the problem, right? I know yeah. that's really difficult. It's really difficult. Like the one of the things about entrepreneurship, if you're going to stay in it a long time and you're going to be successful, is you've got to be able to like point the blame directly yeah. at your own chest. Period. Because right. the buck stops with you at the end of the day. Well, we do that a lot. We do. I mean, I do it worse than like I will say for us, it's like, our that's fault. our fault. It's, it's our, our fault. fault. It's our it's fault. A, and you'll are, be like, hey, that's not all yeah. our fault. You push back, which is good, <laughs> right. because you know how radical I am in that yeah. direction. Yeah. Because that's to me how you survive as an entrepreneur. Is right. you're also saying like I have control of these things, right. and that means that it's my fault. So by saying that something else is at fault is also giving power to whatever that thing is. So like, let's say that you're a franchisee or you're just an entrepreneur in general, and you're struggling for gosh knows what reason, instead of looking at the things that you can control that are right in front of you, if you're not wired this way, it's very easy to be like, oh, it's the market. I can't find anybody it's to work COVID. for me. People don't want to work that hard. Right. It's COVID, <laughs> pricing. The, yeah, I mean, there's gonna... all these like reasons. And really what you're doing is, in a lot of ways, you're just shucking the responsibility. Like Once you start pointing the finger at yourself, mm -hmm. that's when you start becoming an entrepreneur, to me. Right. right. And it's very hard to do that. And I think, you know, what people think, and this, I heard, heard somebody explain it this way, like, you know, you might look in the mirror and say, I'm doing my best, but the market, your people, your customers, they don't care if you're doing your best. You have to do what's required. Right. Period. Until. Until mm -hmm. you have to do what is required to be successful. Mm -hmm. And if your best isn't good enough, it doesn't matter. You have to upskill yourself. You have to be brutally honest. You yeah. have to, you know, kill your ego. You've got to dig in and you have to do whatever is required of you because entrepreneurship, again, it's a 
self-help journey disguised as a business, you're only going to go as far as you can go. And if you can't look in the mirror and be honest about whose right. fault it is that you're in the exact position that you're supposed to be in right. based on your actions and your decisions, you're never going to change. Right? right. And that's really hard to see somebody struggle with that. It's a really hard message to give someone like, hey, it's all your fault. Right. <laughs> I know that it is and I know how they need to be wired. But I think it's really hard for them to do that. So I think, you know, you you need to be prepared if you're going to get into entrepreneurship, not to just do your best, because sometimes your best isn't going to be good enough, to be no. honest. You've got to do whatever's required of you to be successful. It's like that Stockdale principle, right? No matter what. Yeah. Was like, that in good to great? I think that was in good to great. It Jim was, Collins. yeah. And so that was, uh, I think, the, yeah, the Stockdale, the Stockdale Stock, paradox. Paradox. Like, like things suck right now, right. but ultimately I know that that I've got what it takes to be successful. And I will persevere and I will right. come out and on I'll top. I'll do whatever. I, and, right. I, and I won't just it's gonna do It's going to suck my between best, now and then. Right? I won't just <laughs> right. do my best. I'll do what's necessary. Right. Right. To survive. And so, yeah. yeah, lesson number three, like, look, man, I wish it were true. I love entrepreneurship. I, like I said, I have a raging passion for it. It It's not for everybody. No. Right? It's not. It's just not. It's not. And, and that's so, all right. We have to do better finding was, those people. Yep. yep. You, that's yeah, the next you beat one. me to the punch. That was next it. One. Like, yeah. So, so to my point, it was like, listen, um, you know, what are some tripwires that we can put in place to quickly identify people that aren't wired to be mm -hmm. entrepreneurs? And I think we've done a really good job of that based on some early learnings. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it, I wish it was for everyone, but it's not. So, okay, good. Right. And you've put, you've incorporated some of those questions and they're tough questions in your CEO call before they even get invited to come to meet us. Because yeah. that's Discovery Day is kind of like the last step on the journey. Um, and I think that was brilliant because I'm sure that some of those people sitting in those chairs are kind of like, <laughs> like, you know, they're not expecting those tough questions, but they're necessary because depending on their answers or how they respond or, you know, whatever, that could be a tripwire. Like maybe this person is not. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to tell you what those questions are in case you're listening yeah, that's to this right. before you get on the call. That's right. But I will tell you that the questions, there's very few of them, but they're very um, purposeful. Right. And I'm looking for certain types of answers because look, I like I'm doing us both a favor. If you if you answer them correctly, let's go, baby. But if you're not, like I'm saving you a lot of money and us a lot of hardship in yep. the process, right? Yep. For um, sure. All right. The this was second, but I moved it down just based on mm -hmm. our conversation. Um, setting the right expectations. Yes. I'll huge, let you start with this one. <laughs> huge, huge. Well, it's so it's so important. And I think what we initially well, we've learned a lot over the past three and a half years, but you know, at first it was kind of like, we want this to be turnkey. We're going to do everything for them. We're going to set up their CRM and we're we're going to help them find real estate and we're going to manage their construction project. And this is just going to be a turnkey situation. And that backfired because as much as that sounds like really attractive, especially if you're the franchisee sitting at the table thinking, wow, this franchisor is going to pretty much do everything for me. It is absolutely not setting the right expectations. We want people who want to be and are involved in their business. And it is essential that they recognize that. This is their business. We're not running their business. They need to be responsible for hiring the right talent, for leading their team appropriately, and to doing all of those other things that a business owner would do to take care of his business or her business. And so I think that was an error that we made on the front end, probably just because we wanted to sell. We we were eager to award franchises yeah. and we wanted it to seem like, you know, it was turnkey and it was it's gonna be simple, it's gonna be easy. And it's not. 
And right. so, well, and you got to be careful with that. Like we weren't very specific. So I think in what you're saying, it's sort of like, you know, maybe saying, Hey, we've got you, you know, we're going to yeah. do all these things for you. Um, but we can't say, Hey, you're only going to spend two hours a week on your business no. because a time claim like that can also be almost like an earnings claim. Right. So we can't say, no, you have to spend this. And we never did that. We never did that. But I will say, so let me back up a minute. So I interviewed a guy named Wes Barefoot who has sent us some leads. He's a franchise consultant. And he's also a franchisee of a couple of brands. He's a super sharp guy. And I was interviewing him and I said, what are the top three attributes of a good franchisee? That was mm-hmm. our podcast. If you okay. haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. He did a great job. And, and that was it. He's like, you got to have the right expectations. And the way he put this, he was like, listen, a franchisee can't make you successful. They shouldn't make you not successful. Right. So they shouldn't do things that keep you from succeeding but they cannot make you successful. And then he went on to tell me a story about a mentor of his who bought into a franchise. They only had like, I think he was like third in the system. The guy only sold, um, the franchisor only sold like eight and then decided like, screw this, this is too hard. And he essentially kept them, but abandoned growth of the franchise. Okay. So of course the guy who got in third, he had done other franchising projects before and he had been on the franchisor side. So he knew about franchising. Okay. He thought it was a great concept. But here he is sitting here in one of eight. The brand's not going anywhere. He's getting almost no No support support. whatsoever. Right. But he said, oh, well, this is my business. He's still paying royalties for Mm. what he thinks is not much support and not much brand recognition at this point. And he buckled down, built his business. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to hear it Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. Built it up and sold it. And he told in this conversation with Wes, like, that's that's my business, right? right? That's my responsibility. Yeah. So to reiterate what you said, I think what happens if we say we'll do everything for you, certainly early on, that sounds great. And we might do all of your real estate and all of your construction. And we're like, hey, just pop on a call every now and then. That's Mm. all. You don't have to do anything else. That is very appealing from a Mm. sales standpoint. Here's the deal, though. At some point in time, we're going to hit the go button and it's your business right. now. And if you've done nothing, nothing right. to prepare yourself or taught yourself how to be an entrepreneur or done any of the things that you need to, to lean into your business, it's a rude awakening when now it's your business. And you don't and even we've know. we've had instances yes. like this early yes. on where people turn to us and it's like, well, why don't you hire my people? It's like, well, <laughs> we don't do that. And I, and I can almost understand I mean, because we're always like, what? Like, why would you think that? But maybe it was because they hadn't had to do anything up until now. And the expectation is like, you run my business. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is your business. We've given you all the tools that you need to be successful, but you got to pick up the ball and run with it. The way that Wes talked about it, he said that same mentor told him, the franchisee is a bicycle, right? Mm-hmm. And there's lots of different kind of bicycles, just like there's lots of franchises. Right. There's food or whatever. So right. you could be a mountain bike, a road Service, bike, right. a sure. touring bike or whatever. Yeah. We're going to build the best bicycle for you. We're going to put all the things on it that make it ride well. But at the end of the day, you have to get on that bike and you have to pedal. pedal. I can't right. pedal your bike for you. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So I think we have done a much better job and will continue to set the right expectations, getting people to lean in earlier Sure. Can this model be a semi-absentee ownership model? 100%. 100%. Go back and listen to my podcast with Casey yeah. Right um, about what it takes to be a semi-absentee owner. He put in a lot of hours at the start. He had a little okay. trip up. He leaned in. He fixed his business. Sure, now he spends a couple hours a week on it. Right. But he didn't get there with no effort at all, right? Right. You've so gotta... you need to show up when you need to show up. And I think we made the mistake, and I admitted this on Wes's podcast as well, of setting 
too low of an expectation right. on on ownership engagement yep. from the franchise. Agreed. And we're doing a much better job with that now. And you can see that in the people that are we are awarding franchises to. Yeah. I mean, look, here's an example like real estate. We're going to connect you with some real estate vendors. They're going to go into your market and help you find mm-hmm. space. Also, get your ass in the car, drive around <laughs> your market, see if you see anything that you like. If right. it fits the criteria and you know if it's in a nice area, Alloy's got these certain metrics. I think it's not hard to understand. Places with money, places with golf courses, tennis, other businesses. We're going to give you all that stuff. If you go out and not every little private shopping center is listed on the on the listings that these big national vendors find. If you find something of your own, kick it over to us. We'll look at it, approve it or not. Why not do that? Right. right like course. we got a franchisee here in town. It used to be part of the largest franchisee group of another fitness franchise. They were huge. They had like 170 locations. He's a hustler, right? right? So he goes out, he's talking to landlords himself. I mean, he's also working with a vendor, but he's doing his own work. Yes, he is. He gets to permitting. He's like, well, I'll just go down to the permitting office and just talk to the people you never know. And he sweet talks to the lady at the desk and she pushes his permit through in like a couple of days. Right. That never would have happened if he wasn't engaged in his business. So yes. it's like, we're going to give you a lot of tools, but show up, yes. right? And I think that's the yes. that's a huge learning lesson for us, yes, right? And we're going to sure. get better. Yeah, for sure. And I love it. And it it ends up making better franchisees. Yeah, because then when it is time to like, hey, well, like you're up, right? Right. It's not like we're you've done nothing up to this point, right? And now and here all you go. Sudden, Here's like, the well, baby. What do, you, what do you mean I'm up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like we like conceived it, birthed it, and then hand it to you, and you've just been on vacation for nine months, and now you're like, wait a minute, here you what, go. A, what do I do with the baby? It's like you should have gone to those Lamas classes or whatever. Right. It's like now we're doing that. I mean, look, even with entrepreneurship, like we've added, like we give you EOS training, we set all these expectations. And we've got a massive amount of bandwidth and vendors and all these things. But at the end of the day, show up to your business. So lesson learned for us, I would say. Yes, and that's a good lesson. Yes. And then the last one I have is, and it's one of our core values, which is keep it simple, is that simple simple scales. Yes, for right? sure. And it has to be dead simple. And I think what, what you and I thought was so simple early on, mm-hmm. and we have worked really hard. And I will say, like franchisees will even say, like, hey, what I like about you know, alloy, like why alloy? And they're like, we know what I like about alloy. It's simple. I can I get understand it. it. I get it. Yeah. But you know what? It's a small business. There's a lot of moving parts. You've got employees, you've got different software suites. You've got, again, in the process, you got to find real estate. I mean, look, it, it's a business at the end of the day. And we have pared it down to what we think is the simplest model because mm-hmm. we understand that scale alone makes things complex. You right. don't need to make something more complicated, put 200 of them out there and it's going to get complicated, even if it's dead simple. And I think we underestimated how simple things need to be. Not only the stuff, but the messaging around the stuff, how we give it to them so they can digest it, right? Would you agree? I do. I I would agree. And I think that even even with all of the efforts that we have made to make it simple, like we carved out about, we had a, a different business model before we moved to franchising, and we carved out a whole bunch of stuff because it just add complexity to the model. And we only focused on small group personal training, which was 80% of our our core revenue and wh- right. where we were the most successful, our core competency, if you will. But even with that and, and having this very simple floor plan with simple equipment and all of those things, it's still lots of moving parts. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say when franchisees come to training, we had we had a group in last week for training. Um 
it's like drinking from a fire hose because, and there's, I don't know that there's any way around that. There's lots of different things in a short period of time that we need to walk them through. Now they've got tons of resources, including franchise business coach and onboarding specialist and a 400 page ops manual that they can refer to. So they've got all the resources. But what I will say is what we have seen is, you know, the beginning is hard. It's a new business lots of moving parts, new hires, maybe somebody doesn't work out. Now you're scrambling and trying to fill in. But I think of our franchisee out in Salt Lake City, Angela, who was not a fitness person at all, had never been an entrepreneur. And I remember talking with her after she had been open for about a year. And she said, yeah, it was about the six-month mark. I I thought I was going to like lose it because it just seemed so overwhelming to learn how to do all of these things when she had no background in any of it. But you know, she hit that six month mark. Now it becomes kind of well. You think about routine. like anything, right? Like right. if you're really good at something. So I'll just use sports. Like if you take somebody like Tom Brady, when he steps onto the football field, everything is very slow. He sees everything. He's been doing it for so long. He's right? so good at it. Right? It's like yeah, he looks down on everything at crop duster height, and he's like, oh, this guy goes here, I go there, right? Yeah. But like I'm to anyone else, it's just chaos. There's no possible way. <laughs> right. So if you're new to entrepreneurship, you're not right. going to have any for, point of reference, right? That alone is going to be difficult. Yeah. And you're learning a new business if you haven't been in fitness, and most of our franchisees have not. That's why though it goes back to the engagement thing and the expectations. Like get in early, learn as much as you can. And expect it to be chaotic and crazy for first, you know, who knows? If you haven't done it before, it might be six, six months. months. I think it was six months before Angela's like, it's finally I can say, uh, I'm really glad I'm doing it. Right, this. right. Now she's one of our top performers. Right, clubs, and she right? loves it. And yeah. she's awesome. And yeah. she's like, this is such a great business. But it took her a minute to get there. So I think that maybe even goes back to expectations. But right. that's what the what is a dead, simple business model. Right. And I think anybody that's, you know, thinking about getting into an alloy, um, just know that that's our final lens on everything. Like, can somebody that's got seven locations, you know, in the fifth location on a Thursday night, their part-time coach, can they take this thing and put it into play easily? That's our final lens on everything. But that being said, you know, it's still, it's still going to be difficult and still going to seem complex at the start. But as you zoom out, it will not. And I think you'll, if you're already an entrepreneur, you'll really appreciate how simple we've made things for you and the bandwidth that we give you. We've got a lot of folks in the pipeline now that are that are just coming on board as far as opening that are, we're already in the fitness business. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, this is great. You know, we've given them all this bandwidth. I mean, all these things are already put together. So for them, they have perspective. But if you don't, it'll seem chaotic. But just know that, like, it's got to be dead simple. And that's something we learned. It probably needs to be even simpler than it is. And we're working always really hard to make it that way. Exactly. And we've come a long way from when we first started franchising. I think about some of the lead management systems and the bolt-ons and the this and the that and the API. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, nightmare. Well, I remember looking at that and thinking like, okay, yeah, no this way. is difficult in two or three locations <laughs> right. that we own. Right. Can you imagine like yeah. when there's yeah. you know 500 franchises yeah. out there? Like yeah. we have to simplify this big time. Yes. And I'm, I'm glad we have that lens. And, and I think people recognize like our messaging is simple. Even that, like, that's great. Like who's our avatar? Bam, we nail that. When people come here, they're like, you know, what? I like it. It's simple. I can get my head around yeah. it, right? Within that, though, if you're not used to entrepreneurship, it still might be a bit chaotic. But again, going back to expectations, we're going to help you out with that. So yeah, and it'll calm down. Yeah, yeah, you'll get, you'll get your yeah. you'll get your arms around it. Yeah. So so yeah, that's the top five things. So first of all, purpose is more important even than we thought it was, and I love that. Um, we love entrepreneurship, which is why we stayed in franchising. If that's if that's your question, why didn't you do corporate source? There's your answer. Yep. We're just as passionate about helping you be an entrepreneur. That being said, number three, not everyone's cut out for entrepreneurship. Yep. And we're going to do our best to 
help you understand whether or not you are getting to the process. Um, number four is setting right expectations, yeah, right? We've learned so that we important. need to do a better job of setting the right expectations. Yeah. And then fifth, which we already knew, but it's even more reinforced now that simple scales and we've got to keep it dead simple. Correct. And then we didn't do a did you know, but I'm going to finish with one if that's okay. Okay. You don't have to have one, but I just thought it was interesting. You and I already talked about this the other day. So I was looking on a resource called FranNet, which mm-hmm. basically curates a lot of franchise information. And so, you know, 100 locations sold. I wanted to know how we stacked up, right? And I know it sounds like a lot, but we only have 13 open. So, again, this is open clubs. So this was like, all right, how many franchises have 100 locations? I looked that up first, and it's only 2% of all franchises. That's so crazy. Now, that's 100 open. open. So I did, I did dig further. So it's like, okay, got it. Well, then I... Because we're going to be at 50 locations open by year's end. So right. it's like, all right, well, how many how many franchises, you know, in, in all the franchises, I think there's like 3,800 franchises. Something like that. At any yeah. given time. So how many have 50 open? It's 7%. Yeah. We're so, in rare air for sure. So by the end of this year, we'll be in the 7% range. Yeah. And then when, by the end of the next year, we'll be close to the 2% range. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard from other savvy seasoned franchisors that getting 100 franchises open that's sort of like the milestone. If you can do that, you're good. So again, it takes a minute, but uh, we're well on our way. We got a lot of work to do, but I hope this helps anyone that's listening understand kind of you know what we've learned. And maybe if you're a potential franchisee or you're already a franchisee and you're listening to this, maybe some our thoughts. You know, getting to the first 100. But um, yeah, anything else you want to add or wrap up? No, the only other thing that I had written down is, and I I just uh, think this is important, and it's a nod to our team. If you put the right team together and you have the right people in the right seats with the right desires and the right skill sets and the right thought processes, you can accomplish anything. I mean, really, if you set right team, right thought processes, this is hard and we can do it. And I I feel like everybody on our team, and there's only six of us, Right. we've assembled a great team, many of whom have been here for a long time. And we're, we all have the same goal and we all have different skills and we can do hard things. And we're proud of that. And I'm so proud of where we've been. Yeah, me too. I mean, look, we often say that like we're reapplying for our jobs every six months and you don't get, we just talked about this before we walked into this right. meeting, like you don't get promoted in alloy just because you've been sticking around for a while. Like yeah. you have to have the skill set. And again, it almost goes back to what we talked about with franchisees. It's like, if your best isn't good enough, then like, you either need to upskill yourself because you have to do what's required, not your best. Right? Level up. You've got to level up. Right. And we're all doing it at a very fast level. And so far, our team's been able to keep up, and I'm really proud of them. Yeah, me But, too. I mean, we could all, like, the good news about us, and this might be also good for franchisees or anybody, you know, around Alloy. By the way, we have more employees. You forgot a couple of our remote folks, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> we have one remote folk. That's right. One remote folk. One folk. <laughs> one folk remote. Um, but I, I think that we're all, like, the ultimate goal is to win and there's no ego around how we get there. And so whether it's me, you, anybody else on our team, we'd be happy to step aside and put somebody else in that seat that can really do that position. Well. Uh, I've been trying to do that. You won't let me. No, I won't. So anyway, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Suzanne's trying to quit, but the answer no, is not, no. I am not she trying cannot. to quit. She's like, I'm too old. I'm going to retire. Not, I'm, like, I'm not trying to quit. And I don't have any intentions of requiring at least for a few more years. I'm not years. worried about it. I know where you live. You're the four houses now. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to put a pineapple on your porch <laughs> if you leave. <laughs> I'll get you back. Anyway, oh, guys, no. I hope you enjoyed it. That's what we've learned in our first 100. And uh, we'll probably do this again next year when we've got 50 plus open. Yeah, we're at that. 250 opener. Yeah. Wait, yeah. maybe 160. 
sold and 50 open. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be at probably around 160 sold and 50 plus open by year's end. So yeah, yeah onward and upward, as we say. Onward and upward. All right. Thank Peace. you. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, check us out at alloyfranchise.com for more information on the alloy systems. Also, leave us a five-star review so we can spread the good word and help more people.